happy Monday to you. It's Monday, and it's a beautiful Monday morning. I don't know if you know that, but, but it is, right? <laughs> well, we're here together. I'm here with uh, Tim Sawyer, who many of you, I'm sure, know. <laughs> That's pretty good, Tim. Um, for those of you who don't know Tim Sawyer, uh, Tim is a faculty member here at Northwestern, been that since 1989. That's, that's impressive. I like that. That's impressive. That means I'm old. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say that. Um, professor of music, director of choral activities here at Northwestern, um, Eagle football vocal coach. Can you say a little bit more about what that is? Well, as I say, we're all going to be singing in the heavenly choir, so we might as well get started now. So... And why not football players, right, guys? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love it. They sound awesome, by the way. Come to the fifth quarter at the end of the game, and you'll hear them. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. Um, one last little bit of biographical information I'd like to check in with you about. Classical Grammy Award winner. I mean, I think, I think we'd all love to hear what, what, what that's all about. Well, in 1998, I think, I was a part of a... Uh, a new work by a, a Polish composer in a choir, and we put that recording up for a Grammy, and it got a Grammy in 2000. So it wasn't just a single. It's not like I'm Beyonce or something, you know, or Jay-Z, you know, but um, it's, it's hanging in my wall in my office, so, so you, a lot of people don't know that. So you do have the Emmy in your office. Sorry, it's Grammy. A, a Grammy. It's, it's a Grammy certificate hanging on my wall. I don't have the little, you know, the little whatever... I don't know what they call that, little, you know, gramophone-shaped thing, but that, the conductor has that. I love that. And since then, the Polish composer is long gone, so, but he's still pretty famous. Really cool. It looks good on my wall, yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, tell us about your family? Yeah, well, so my dad was a mechanic. He was a blue-collar worker sort of a guy. He, could, he worked on airplanes. He could fix cars. He could fix anything, pretty much. Uh, my mom was an entertainer and a comedian and a, uh, a speaker. She would go around particularly to women's clubs and Christian women's clubs and sort of motivational speaker. Um, I'm an only child, but apparently my mother had eight miscarriages before me. So I'm looking forward to a pretty cool reunion in heaven someday with a lot of siblings that I've never had a chance to meet before. Um, but... My mother had a wicked sense of humor, so she would sometimes, if I was really bad, <laughs> you'll hate this, maybe you'll love it, she would go, she would just look at me and she'd go, I'd never had any children that lived, she would say to me. And I'd be like, mom, really, seriously? Bring it on, wow, yeah. So anyway, but that's, she didn't really mean it. Yeah, that's incredible. But I just, I grew up in South America, my parents were missionaries, and I'd love to tell that story at some point in time, it's kind of a longer story, but there's a connection to why my parents were in South America because um, there, were seven, there were five uh, missionaries who were martyred in Ecuador on a beach near uh, a village that they were trying to reach with the gospel. And they were, they were murdered in uh, 1957. My parents, I was born in 1960, do the math. Um, and my parents read this book that was written by one of the uh, widows of the men who were martyred, and they felt really called to go to South America. So when I was six, we moved to South America, and we lived in Peru, lived in the jungle, 
Any of you seen The Edge of the Spear, that movie? That whole movie is about the martyrdom of those five men, one of whom was Roger Udarian, and he was a Northwestern grad. And if you go up to the Roger Udarian Missional Center upstairs in, uh, in Nazareth, you can read his story and see the history of him being here at Northwestern and being called to the mission field. So, It's an incredible connection with your family, and th- thanks for sharing that. And we'd love to hear that, that story at some point, um, more about that. We want to get to know you a little bit better this morning. Um, and so I ask this question. If you had a day with no commitments and no responsibilities, how would you spend that day? That is so easy. First of all, I would sleep in. Secondly, I would go to Caribou, <clears throat> get my favorite mango black iced tea right here, and get in the car and I would drive to the North Shore uh, or further. Maybe I'd go all the way to Canada. I don't know. And then I might never come back. <laughs> Actually, I love the North Shore. I love being up in that part of Minnesota. And um, yeah, I would stay there for a while. And I might not come back. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think that it's very similar. I won't ride with you in the car because for me it'd be uh, kind of an, uh, an introvert day. But I would do the same thing. I would drive up there. Uh, maybe without the tea, but, but that's good. Um, what's your, can you share, like, what's your career path been like up till now? Like, you know, you've, you've, you have been and you are involved in lots of different things professionally. Could you give us sort of a, a 30,000 foot overview of, of what you've been involved with? Well, the quick version is when I was 16 years old, I started taking voice lessons. Um, my choir director kind of said to me one day in choir, you know, you have a pretty nice voice. I'd love to give you lessons if you'd be interested. And I was like, wow, okay. So after school, a couple days a week, he would give me voice lessons. And I've told this story before, but this is like, I don't remember who I was before I started to sing. Literally, I don't remember what, I know what I did, I know where I was, I know where I was, but I don't remember who I was until I started working on my voice and discovering that I had something worth training. Um, And that has really shaped me my entire life because I'm all about singing, right? Um, Because I love singing, I'm all around it all the time, I teach it, I coach it, I encourage it, And even people who say they can't sing, it doesn't matter. I just have them do it anyway. Um, My dad was not a singer at all. He had a beautiful voice, but he had never, he grew up in the mountains of New York. They didn't even have a radio. They were so poor and he never learned to sing. So he never learned to match pitches. So my dad in church would basically just pick one note or two now and then if he got really excited um, and just kind of alternate between those notes. He would sing all the words, but only on one pitch. Um, And people were just, you know, kind of, astonished at that because my mom and I were the singers and artist kind of people and dad would be like you know amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me you know he'd kind of wander around we just called it him making a joyful noise anyway um and it was we, we had probably more joy in it than he did um but he did it faithfully so that kind of shaped me, and then I just decided that I was going to, when I was 16, I just said, I want to do this. That's all I want to do. And so since that point in time, that's kind of what I've been pursuing. What I realize in life, and you'll, you'll understand this more as you get older, you think life is going to be a straight line. It's going to be like, here's what I want to do, and there, there it is. And you think, okay, I'm going to go directly to that place. But actually, life looks a lot more like this, and ups and downs, and, you know, curly cues and go backwards, start over, take two steps forward, three steps backward. But the short version is that I came here on a one day a week voice teacher. 
and I was a one-year interim position. They were going to try me out for a year and see if they wanted to keep me. Uh, so after that year, they said, oh, that's pretty good. Can you, can you do like four days a week? And I'm like, sure, whatever. I'll do, I'll do that. You pay me. That'd be great. So I did that. And then after that, they said, hey, this is working really well. Would you like to go full-time? Sure, love that. My wife loves those checks every two weeks that come in the you know bank, and um, that was 33 one-year interim positions ago. Um, and so I look at my career and I look at it just kind of like I, it's like year by year. God provides, and He's just given me so many incredible things to do here. And a lot of these people are singers, right? If you're in choir, just curious, raise your hand. I'm not taking attendance, just wondering if you sing in choir at all. Football players, any, any football players here? Look at, see these guys sing all over their place, yeah. So there's a lot of singing here, and obviously it was really cool that today we started with singing. That was really awesome. So that's kind of my passion, singing. I love it. Heavenly choir, that's get right. ready. That's right. Yeah. Tim, I have a few this or that questions for you. Uh -oh. Are you ready for this? You guys know this or that, right? It's just basically I'm going to say two things, and I want you to pick which one is all about you. Are you ready? Okay. And you haven't seen these? No. No. I don't. Nope. Okay. This is off the cuff. I told him this is the part that makes me nervous. So. <laughs> you ready for this? Okay. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Yeah. Travel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Robots or dinosaurs? Dinosaurs. Okay. All right. Um, book or movie? Movie. All right. Beach or mountain? Mountain. Okay. Sporting event or concert? Oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to answer that one. Right? Yeah, no, I don't okay. answer that one. You don't know. I that's... can't. That's not. That's not a choice. I can't do that. <laughs> I'll say yes. Yes, yes. That's that's good. That's okay. Um, morning or evening? Evening. Yep. Um, logic or emotion? Emotion. Okay. Art museum or history museum? Art museum. Okay. That was pretty easy. Pretty painless. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. You know, um, I love to hear about things people are passionate about. Sometimes people have hidden passions, uh, things that you know you might not know about each other. Do you have anything that we might not know about you that you're that you're passionate about? And, and could you spend, you know, sixty seconds teaching us about it or talking about it? Yeah, I was. Th I, I, he asked me about this right beforehand today, and. I do have a, a number of things, but I think the one thing people might not know if they don't visit me in my home is that I love stained glass, and there's a reason for that. <clears throat> we have a lot of stained glass things in our home, lamps and things that hang in the window, catch the light, um, all kinds of different shapes and sizes, but I think one thing I love about stained glass is because of the color, for one thing. So much color coming through and light activating those colors. But I think the other thing I love about stained glass, and if you've ever spent any time in Nass Chapel, you should really stand there for a while. Stained glass has a lot to teach us because in, in medieval times, before people knew how to read, when they went to church, how they learned stories from the Bible and how they learned about faith was by looking at, at stained glass windows. And those stained glass windows were put together by an artist 
who carefully cut each particular little piece. It's like a mosaic, but it's a mosaic that light comes through, and that's what I really love about it. Um, and I think that is really a metaphor for what we're doing here, is that we want to let the light shine through us. There's lots of color here. There's a lot of different shapes and sizes of human beings and different personalities. But what we want is the light to shine through and that the true color of all of us together just blessing people as they, as they come and observe who we are. Um, and I think that's, for me, that is the metaphor for my life. There's a lot of little pieces. Some of them are shattered. Some of them are, were broken. And what's made them beautiful is that God has put them together like a stained glass window. And now and then when the light comes through, you go, oh, look at that. That's amazing. Something I could never have done on my own, but that God did for me and, and through other people on my behalf, through teachers, through mentors, um, even through students at Northwestern, past and present, and hopefully future as well. Um, so I would just encourage you with that, that let the light shine through you. And even if you're broken, even if you're broken in a million pieces, let God's light shine through you, and what he can do is really amazing. It's, it's life-changing. That's so beautiful, you know, and, and, and I hope you take Tim's words to heart. You know, spend some time in Nez Chapel. We have it here right on our campus. It's beautiful, beautiful stories in there, filling that room. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that, Tim. Um, would you share a little bit of your God story with us? You know, like, how has God moved in your life, and how has he gotten your, your attention? Um, and as you look back at your life's journey so far, you know, what are the most important thing that, things that God has taught you? Wow. Okay, do that in 30 seconds. <clears throat> um, as I told you, my, pan my parents moved us to South America when I was six years old. Um, because I was the only child, it was pretty easy to pack up the family and go. But I was really terrified. I didn't get a choice in that. And I don't know, any missionary kids in the house? Any third culture kids? So you probably know what I'm talking about. Just the idea of not knowing ho where home was. Um, home, when you ask a, a, a missionary kid where home is, they'll give you a really interesting answer um, because there's multiple places usually. And so I was really scared when I was a kid, when I was six. And we went and my parents were learning how to speak Spanish in Oklahoma. And this was a very traumatic time for me because my parents were busy a lot. And I just had an incredibly traumatic experience. And one day I just said to my mom, I'm just so afraid. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to do. And so she really comforted me with scripture but also said, you know, God is with you. And we may not be there for you all the time, but God is always with you. Um, and those, those were really important words, and I think that's kind of where my faith started to form. She walked me through the, the whole, you know, sinner's prayer and just kind of asking Christ to kind of come into my life. But being six years old, I didn't really completely get it. I didn't really understand it. Um, but then living in South America, living in the jungle, you know, having pet anacondas and parrots and cool things, you know, and going barefoot all the time. And my friends and I, one of my friends, we were fishing in the river and he caught a piranha and didn't carefully hold it and it bit off his thumb. Um, that was pretty traumatic, actually. Um, and they're, they don't have to be very big. They just have to have a mouth that's big enough for your thumb to go in. So, you know, words to live by, just stay away from piranhas. But um, I just think that all the things of my life have really shaped me. And um, I think what some people, what you, some of you who even know me really well, wouldn't realize that I've, I I've often am very fearful. 
Um, and God just has kind of broken into that and says to me, it's okay. Even if you're afraid, just go, act, be, do, um, and, 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 and dream things, dream great things even, or preposterous things. Um, I don't think anything preposterous has really happened to me, but you know, God has done amazing things and I've watched over the years being here at Northwestern. This is an incredible time to be here and I hope you're all really paying attention to this because this time with Dr. Hornbeek and this next chapter of Northwestern is gonna be amazing. We've had some amazing, you know, 121 year history, right? And I've been here for 33 of those years, but God has incredible things to do here. And he's brought all of you here. And as that light shines through us, and as those colors shine into the world, I think we can, I, I don't know, there's so many things we can accomplish. And I really am excited about, especially about Dr. Hornbeek and his leadership coming up. Amen. Agreed. So I just want to say that Northwestern has really shaped my faith as well because Northwestern has believed in me and has given me the position and the resources to dream and do things that I would never have done on my own as a scared little six-year-old. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, could you share a little bit more about your role here? You know, you've talked a bit about how you've gotten here and then the time you've spent here, but... Like, on the, on the daily, on the weekly, what is it that you're doing? How are you investing? How are you, you know, how's God being, how's God using you in your role here? Well, my main job, obviously, is to direct choirs. I teach conducting. I plan Christmas at Northwestern. This year we got to do the inauguration, which was so amazing. Um, but probably the thing that doesn't take up as much of my time, but, but I love the most is mentoring one-on-one. So... Um, some of you in this room know what I'm talking about, where you just get to pour into someone one-on-one and uh, help walk next to them and watch their life and watch them grow. And I think that is my, my most significant moments are that. And then there's a backdrop of singing always around those. So when I go to the football field, I hear singing. When I'm in the choir room, I hear singing. When I stick my head in here on Fridays and hear singing. Um, and just about everywhere on this campus, I don't think you realize it, but this is really a singing school. We love singing here. Um, because singing is kind of the where you let your soul just fly free. Whether you can sing on one note or not, or whether you're the best opera singer that ever lived, doesn't matter, right? So that's kind of what I really love. That's my, that's, if you talk about my passion, and especially because I see that like in our culture, and women, you understand that, um, men in our culture, they, they have a hard time in, in our culture. You do too. Our culture sends a lot of really mixed messages to both men and women. And working through those and trying to figure out how to make life happen is really complicated. Um, I have, I've, you haven't asked me about my kids, but I'll tell you, I have three kids. My son Joshua lives in heaven. I didn't get to meet him. He died about a month before his birthday. And then I have two daughters who both went to Northwestern, one who graduated in 2018 and one who just graduated in December. Um, But because I didn't get to raise my son Joshua, uh, when he died, I determined that what I was going to do is really do everything in my power to help other people raise their sons, especially here at Northwestern. And it's not because I don't love women, because I love to see what what is happening with the women here on campus. But I feel like... Our men in this campus need to stand up. 
They need to be empowered to be all that God intends for them to be. And our culture keeps pummeling away and telling, talking to us about to- toxic masculinity, which I think is a lie from the pit of hell. I think we need masculinity. I think we need true godly masculinity, especially on our campus. Um, we need godly femininity as well. But men have to stand up. We have to lead. Whether we're afraid or not, we have to go for it. By the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And that is, that is probably my main passion. And so to do that through singing, to do that through mentoring, to do that through teaching, um, whatever it is, one-on-one, one-on-50, one-on-150, it doesn't matter to me. I think that's what we've got to really accomplish at Northwestern, and that's how God can change the world through us. Mm, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful I feel like picture. I need to get an amen from that from at least three yeah. people in this room, right? Yeah, especially the men. I love that. I love that. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit really does take root in someone's life, and, and it, can be a powerful, it can be a powerful thing when, when somebody says yes to that. And, uh, and to have a mentor to walk alongside them, uh, pulling that out of them is, is just really huge. So thanks for that work. Thanks for that passion and bringing it here to Northwestern. Um, I guess related to that, talk about, talk about your hope for the Northwestern community, you know, in maybe, maybe more general terms, maybe more specific terms, but what's your vision, your dream for the students who, who are a part of this community? Well, I was just with a bunch of prospective students last night, and we were actually kind of talking about this, and I asked one of them, um, you know, what he was going to major in. I said, it really doesn't matter because it doesn't really matter what you major in. I know administration hates when we say that, but God can use you in whatever you do. And it's, it's sometimes people go directly from what they major in into a career. Sometimes they major in something and go completely in an opposite direction. Somehow God makes it all work. He uses it. Um, but I guess what I would hope for you guys Um, even if you're not paying attention right now, maybe this is a good moment to kind of pay attention. What I would hope for you is that you allow the Holy Spirit and the power of God to take a hold of you. I don't know, you know, we had a, we had a, we had a revival here back in 1995, like what's going on at Asbury College. Some of you probably read the news and read that. Um, and the, the spirit just moving through Cedarville, Asbury, starting to happen at Wheaton and some of the other colleges. I saw this happen in 1995 as well, and it was really incredible to see how the the Spirit just swept through and cleaned out the insides of all of us and cleaned a house, really. And after that, just the, the power that came through that and seeing people stop preparing for a life that was completely about them and start preparing for a life that was completely about service and about building the kingdom. And I think, sadly, COVID has probably turned us into consumers much more than ever before because I feel like now, you know, we're all competing for students and we're competing with Bethel and we're competing with Crown and North Central and, you know, you name it, just because we need enrollment. But what we need to be doing is empowering you guys to find your passion, to find your calling, to find that light that's going to shine through you to, to change the world whether it's, you know, in the little world you live in or whether it's the greater world. I don't know if you guys know, you guys know the name Nick Hall? Nick Hall is an evangelist. He is right now kind of here, in t- he's actually here in town, following up with what happened at Asbury. He was a Northwestern student. He sang in men's chorus. He was, he, I think he was a ministry major back in the day. 
I mean, that guy, the impact that Nick is making everywhere in the world is, is remarkable. Dallas Jenkins from The Chosen. Any of you watch The Chosen? Dallas was a student here at Northwestern. Uh, Dallas came here to play basketball, decided not to, sang in choir. Um, you know, was, he was just, he was an interesting guy. Just going to say that much, right? Um, but what, what God is doing through that and how God is reaching people. I would hope for you guys that you get this, capture this, um, and not just be here to take from Northwestern, but be here to give to Northwestern. Make this a better place. Make it a more godly place. Make it a more passionate place. Make it a more real, authentic place. Uh, so that you're not just going, gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm just here to get my education, get my stuff, get my money's worth, and then I'm going. That's my thing. I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing I get that. one amen. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, seven. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, so we appreciate, and, and we have a couple minutes here to go, but I'm, I'm just going to wrap up by asking a couple more questions. Um, what, are, what are one and two, one or two like, resources or suggestions you'd have for, um, for students who want to go deeper in their relationship with God? Maybe that's a resource that, that, that's, that you've connected with, or maybe that's... Um, um, I don't know, a method of connecting with the, with the Lord. But what, what, are, what are a couple of resources or suggestions you'd give to students who want to go deeper? Well, I would just say, if you guys know, don't know the name John Eldridge, get to know the, the, the works of John Eldridge, uh, both for men and for women. The, the classic uh, book for men is Wild at Heart. I give those a lot. I've probably given out 250 of those over the years to various people. Um, there's some incredible resources there to empower you guys as men to become all that God intends for you to be and to become true leaders um, and facilitate you know, what, what God's plan is for you, whether that's in a family or in a business or education or whatever happens to be. Women, um, he, is, he, he and his wife have also read, uh, written excuse me, a number of really great books, resources um, about empowering women to be all that God intends for you to be. Um, and I just think that God has gifted him in, in powerful, supernatural ways. If you have not read any of John Eldridge's books, get, get a hold of one. Um, and some of the men in this room know there's a book that I love called Healing the Masculine Soul by Gordon Dalby, which is the book that John Eldridge read when he was in college that transformed his life and started his ministry and started to, to shape his ideas, which ended up coming out in Wild at Heart. Um, and it's, I call it do-it-yourself heart surgery uh, because a lot of us are broken, a lot of us are wounded. In fact, most of us have father wounds, mother wounds. We have family, you know, and sometimes our wounds are self-inflicted and we need, we, need, we need a guidepost. We need someone to help us kind of navigate through that. And the Holy Spirit, through the works of someone like John Eldridge, can do some powerful, powerful things in our lives. So I would just really encourage you to do that. Um, there's some incredible resources here on campus, too. There's some amazing faculty, and there's some amazing staff who would love to mentor you. Um, don't be afraid to ask. You should. That's part of why we're here. So that would be my right. answer. That's right. Yeah. Last question for you, Tim, this morning. Um, parting shot, you know, offer encouragement or challenge. What would you share with, with everybody gathered today in terms of an encouragement or a challenge? We've been encouraged and challenged already, but, but here's, here's, your, here's your last last shot. I guess I would just follow up with what I said earlier. Um, it's so easy in our culture to become self-absorbed and to make all of this about us. 
And what I would love to see is Northwestern be a place, like I tried to kind of shape our family by saying, let's be a family, let's be a how can I help you family. Um, how can we help each other? How can we reach out, serve each other, love each other, um, and, and in, in ways that maybe are self-sacrificial, that don't really serve us, that don't help us very much. I've never been disappointed when I've reached out to help someone, ever even if it's cost me greatly. But I would love Northwestern to be a how can I help you campus. Uh, I heard someone the other day say that at his job he opened the door for a woman who was coming through because that's what he was taught by his, his family and he got glared at. And I said, well, good for you. Keep opening that door, right? Keep serving. Even if people glare at you or think that you're trying to kind of scam them somehow, just love them with Jesus' love and serve them. Can you imagine what Northwestern would be like, you guys, if we did that? If we all stopped being so self-absorbed and we started thinking about one another and what we could do for each other? I mean, seriously, is there an amen to that in this house at all today? Amen. I would really love to see that happen. Um, and I think that would be a, make Northwestern even more of a place that people would want to come to and be a part of this community. So ponder that today. How can I help you? What can I do to serve you? Um, and get out of your own way and reach out to other people. Our culture is just so self-absorbed and it's just toxic. Talks about that, that's the toxic aspect, aspect to our culture, I think, is self-absorption. So don't do that today and don't do that tomorrow and leave it behind, right? That's is right. That good? That's so yes? good. So good, Tim. You Can guys we are give awesome. uh, a round of applause just to thank you? Tim Sawyer, thanks for being here.